Now on Racing Pulse, RSN's racing editor, Matt Stewart. I didn't like the last race as feature when they did it a few years ago, but there might be a bit of a somewhere in between sort of solution. For more news, opinion and selections, head to rsn.net.au. It is time for RSN's racing editor, Matty Stewart, to join us with all of the news. And, of course, Matty will be out here live from the English sales complex for Big V with Matty Nevitt after 11.30. And we are here courtesy of Inglis. And if you can't get to Oakland's Junction, you can catch all of the action of the Inglis Sale Day via their live broadcast, which is hosted by Jason, uh, Jason Richardson. And all you need to do is jump on the Inglis website or Inglis. Facebook page and click on live TV. Uh, morning, Maddie. Morning, Michael. Uh, we've got the wild cards now unveiled for the All Star Mile. You happy with the, the the horses that have been invited? The last one being announced by Matt Welsh as my Oberon, giving Annabelle Nisham two runners now in this year's All Star Mile. Yeah, I was doing a couple of phone interviews during the, your Matt Welsh interview. Are these the horses? Uh, were they also? the ones that were the next in line in the voting, or were they close enough to it? Uh, you know, the, the, the 10 to 20 horses. Uh, these wildcard horses, do they marry up reasonably close to who the higher voted outside the top 10 horses were? Yeah, well, Fangirl was the next one. Um, She's a belter. I think was high up there, but I'm not sure what the situation is with She's a belter, whether she's actually continuing this preparation or not. Uh, the next one now in line is Cascadian. So if Tuvalu and the Connections decide not to press forward after a few tests today, Cascadian is the next one in line to get a run. And the others were handed those wild cards. Pounding, obviously, was knocking on the door. He's been given one. Uh, Aegon, uh, Laws of Indices, and the latest one, which was my Oberon. Now, I don't think, other than Pounding, they were high up in those votes. And Alan Kerr was yesterday. Well, I'll touch base with Mike Moroni uh, today or tomorrow about what his strategy is with Alan Kerr and who's to say. Look, I still think, you know, this, this discussion we've been having about the the uncertainty of runners and therefore the uncertainty of your vote when you vote, where you sort of go into this giant abyss of not knowing whether it's going to run or get in the field and so on. So I think, and I, I think Matt Welsh and others will be right on to this, I think, for next year is... There has to be some way of better voter protection, in inverted commas, and you can never uh, be sure where a horse is going to run because they're a horse and trainers have got options and they've got every right uh, to keep a horse in a race for as long as they can because of the the great uncertainty of the sport. But um, there's too much... I, I think it will start to affect the volume of votes if the voters are going, oh, this is, it just ends up a bit of a dog's breakfast where you don't quite know whether you're in or not, you don't know if the horse is running, you don't know whether you're going to get elevated up the vote list. So to maintain voter interest, I think they need to, however way they can, uh, provide some greater security for the voters. Uh, and it's very hard, as, as I just explained, but there, I think there has to be some focus on... Um, if you vote, you 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 have to, you should have some idea about what that vote means. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see what Matt Welsh thinks because every year they tinker with it. They do a review as well. Hey, let's look ahead to this Saturday, which is obviously the new market handicap, and the weights were released yesterday, Maddie. And 
I think the headline horse that everyone was looking for, first of all, was I Wish I Win, who's been handed 56.5 kilos in the new market. I'll get your thoughts on that weight in a moment. But last night, Peter Moody was on after the last, after the weights were released, and he had some pretty interesting comments. Have a listen to what he had to say about the weight. So he's uh, carrying a significant weight in a Group 1. I'm, I'm not going to sort of lay down and cry about it, but I'll be guided strongly by Jeff and his assessment of the race. Uh, got to respect the fact that a, you know, 16, 18 horse handicap in a new market's going to be a total different beast to this race that you're just watching, a 10 horse weight for age race or a 9 horse weight for age race. It, it, it's a total different ball game this weekend and uh, Jeff will have a good look at the race and assess the opposition and, uh, you know, see where we sit and, and uh Myself and Catherine will have a good look at his work in the morning and, uh, you know, if it all comes together, we look forward to him being there on Saturday. But uh, if Jeff taps me on the shoulder and suggests that, you know, it's it's the wrong option, um, you know, we'll have a chat with Connections, but hopefully that's not the case. Yeah. Um, it's it's Every year is different and the context of every runner changes. Like, for instance, on face value, I think, her, I think Black Caviar carried 58, so... A kilo and a half more for the greatest mare and the greatest sprint of all time from a Johnny Come Lately, like I wish I win it. If you look at it in that context, but you know you got Rock and Horse with fifty-five and a half. Uh, Private Eye's got fifty-eight. I think relative to Private Eye, I think I wish I win um, seems within cooey of that weight, but not necessarily heavily um, too close to Private Eye. Yeah, it's a tricky one. I, look, I'm not a weights and measures expert. On face value, I. I would more think that Moody's reaction is the more sobering one and then Jeff O'Connor, who, uh, you know, is more of his um, numbers man and he can weigh up the, the data and, and work it out and historically or whatever whatever reference points he needs. But um, the difficulty with that horse winning with 56.5, as Mood said to us yesterday, is in a new market with a big field and heavy traffic and having to work your way through the field... It's 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 a lot easier to do it with less weight than fifty six and a half, and even Black Caviar was rolling along up on the speed. So I think in the back of Moody's mind, I don't remember what weight Chautauqua had, for instance, when he got beaten by the quarterback. But he might be thinking that it's enough of an anchor weight where we won't be able to, he won't be able to whiz home and pass fifteen horses with a weight like that. So whether he's unfair, whether he's got too much weight or whether it's just enough weight to, to diminish Peter Moody's confidence. I'm not sure, but I, I, personally, I, I don't know enough about weights and measures to make a, a call on whether he's fairly weighted or not. So he's got to give six kilos, uh, five, sorry, five kilos to In Secret, four kilos to Lofty Strike, um, four and a half kilos to Aspura, um, six and a half to Buenos Noches, the stablemate Chain of Lightning, also around about four and a half kilos as well. And he's half a kilo behind Mazu, who obviously has been placed in Everest, won the 10,000. Rockin' Horse, who uh, we know won it last year, has got a kilo less, but she's a mare. And Private Eye has 58 kilos. So Private Eye will be the top weight in the new market. And I wish I win's got 56 and a half. And uh, Moody said, look, he hasn't won a group one. But I think that kind of, that argument's a bit... Uh, almost mute when you you win a, a golden eagle, which is a restricted race, but it's considered and rated as a Group One. Yeah, so I mean, I, I I'm starting to wonder whether Private Eye is quite good enough to carry 58 kilos to win a new market. Um, you know, that's a that's a buffering haylist sort of range of weight. Um, Private Eye is a really really good sprinter and terrific first up, but 
Is he good enough to carry 58 and win a new market? I probably think it's a kilo more than he can win with on face value. So, uh, yeah, well, that's the beauty of these big handicaps is you, you, it sparks right. a lot of discussion and, and all that. But I reckon, just to, in a nutshell, I think what Moody's really thinking is not just is it too much weight for I wish I win, is it too much weight for him to win with the way he races? Can he do it? You know. Mm. So, anyway, tricky. Makes it fascinating. Um, Chief, there's big news down the, the Bullway. Um, we're about seven weeks away from the Warrnambool Carnival in May, and the CEO, uh, Tom O'Connor, uh, is no longer there. Yeah, it's um, look, I've, I've made a few phone calls to get a bit of a handle on the, the various issues at play. The main thing is uh, that Tom O'Connor's wife, who's a school teacher, and I think there's kids involved as well, they are from the Riverina area. Um, they have been back there for a little bit of time uh, because of you know, school and, and work commitments and so on. Um, it, it hasn't come as a massive shock to those I've spoken to down there. Um, some very good things were done under Tom O'Connor. Um, but there's also a sentiment that it's awkward timing, uh, that there he had not been everybody's cup of tea down there. So... Um, there were, you know, maybe some staff relationship issues as well that I'm, I'm hearing about as well with just just um, style of management and things like that. But um, so seven weeks out, I've spoken to Mark McNamara, who's the chairman, who says, look, all everything's in train for the carnival. He said, look, the, the the people who come to the May Carnival aren't going to care whether we have a CEO or not. He said discussions are already underway with him and his committee about um, sourcing a new CEO. You might remember. They have had a few in recent years. Pete Downs uh, also left that role three or four years ago as well. So it's a bit of a um, musical chair, uh, the, the CEO, CEO's position down at Warrnambool. So, yeah, look, it's there's it's a little bit of a where there's smoke, there's fire. I get a sense, but there's also the um, the family considerations of Tom O'Connor uh, and so on, which are, which weigh pretty heavily as well. So, yeah, it's an interesting interesting state of affairs. So will they just continue through uh, until after the Warrnambool Carnival or will they hope to have a new CEO in before the, the Carnival kicks off? I think they feel that there's been a lot of take-up already, even though the news just broke. So um, I think the, it feels like interim CEO might be the, the feeling I get about the, the May Carnival, but they, they're more interested in the rhythm of the Carnival um, going smoothly uh, with their executive team and all that sort of stuff. So... Um, but, you know, it's an interesting one because they also are the, the home of the Jericho Cup. Um, I know that Mark McNamara and others feel very strongly that it, the Jericho has not reached its potential. So this may actually be, in that sense, for the fully realising the potential of the Jericho and the Warnable Carnival and maybe connections between the two. Maybe uh, a change is as good as a holiday when it comes to those in charge. So it, it may actually be a good opportunity with a, some fresh eyes to to maximise things like the Jericho Cup. So there may be there may be an opportunity there through this. You and Matt Nevitt had a great chat on the Big V yesterday to Zach Purton, who has been pretty open and honest with all of his opinions. He's uh, done all the media rounds. He's certainly been very good with his time. And it was another fascinating chat yesterday about what his future holds. Have a listen to a little snippet of it. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm at a point now where I've, I've probably done, or I have done everything that I can do uh, in Hong Kong except break uh, maybe the all-time win record uh, which is at 1816 so if I want to go for that 
I think beyond this season, it will take me about another 18 months. So I need to decide whether I've got the want and the will to want to do that. Um, or if I feel like moving back home where it's, uh, it, it's a fresh challenge um, and it's going to stimulate me more than, than being here, I've got, to, I've got to try and work that out. So at the moment, I'm having a dis- discussion with the club to try and uh, find some middle ground to see if they can give me a little bit more flexibility, being able to travel um, a little bit more. Nothing uh, has been decided yet, and I, I can't say I'm leaning more towards moving back to Australia or staying here in Hong Kong. I'll just, uh, And I'm not in a hurry to make a decision at the moment either. He's an interesting one, Hugh. Um, um Zach Purton, he, he, there's an, there's a, there was an undertone there of what can the club do for me, uh, and he did have that, you know, that uh, line in the sand situation with Mark Van Gestel about the way Mark Van, Van Gestel is stewarding the Hong Kong races, and Zach Purton felt that he was too heavy-handed, and I don't know whether they ended up having a discussion, but I I, I, I know that situation was diffused to a degree, but... He doesn't lack self-confidence. He's, he's a terrific... Um, he's very accessible and very open and honest, but I did have dinner with a few racing people last night who heard that interview who they're all of the view that, gee, Zach's very keen on Zach. But anyway, uh, so that was Zach Purton. Um, interesting with him and, and wanting to travel a bit more and, and, you know, what he did in Sydney last weekend. There's a tiny weenie chance that Joe Marira and Zach Purton could both... Uh, be riding at Sydney at some stage this autumn. Uh, the latest with Maria is he wants to ride through the Golden Slipper meeting. He's having a couple of visa issues at the moment, but it is a, not a total million-to-one chance, but by the time we get to the championships, for instance, that um, we may actually see Zach Purton and Joe Marira both riding uh, in Sydney. Well, it would be great to see them in Australia, wouldn't it? Uh, what's your gut feel, uh, Zach? Going to come home or stay in Hong Kong? I think he will, because I think he's backed himself into a bit of a corner as far as... Um, what, the way he perceives himself there, the way he f- feels things should go, and what control he should have a certain over certain situations, and we were discussing it the other day. If, if I was Mark Van Gestel and I had listened to the the, the 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 ultimatum almost that was presented by Zach Purton, I'd be telling him to jump on a plane. So I th- I, I get the feeling that he, he he'll he'll come back and ride out the rest of his career locally. I think he got a real buzz out of. Um, the, the the vibe in Sydney last week. He also spoke to us about how he really loved riding in Sydney last week and how it felt really great. It felt like he was home and, and so on. But he also said that he and his wife and kids love Hong Kong. So, But I would say, I, I'd say there'd be, it'd be a twos-on chance that Zach Purton will be back in Australia riding with, uh, full-time within 12 months. That's just the way it feels. Yeah. I feel that way, especially if he can break the record. If he breaks the record, I think he's got nothing left to achieve. He's set himself up financially, and uh, it, it could be uh, back to Sydney for Zach Purton. While he could head to Sydney, one mayor could be coming from Sydney to Melbourne, Imperatrez, after her big run on the weekend, now being set for the William Reid. Yeah, that won't please Cindy Alderson and others who thought they had the William Reid to themselves with the likes of Jigsaw, who trolled really well at Cranbourne yesterday, by the way. Uh, yeah, that's a really... Um, jolting uh, inclusion in that race because Imperatriz was terrific in Sydney when knocked off by Artorias. It it took the very best of Artorias coiled up to to be the only one that could knock off Imperatriz. So she's a near champion sprinter. So I think that's a bit of a sobering announcement. Uh, Feb- uh, March twenty five. 
uh, and others. So what is good for the for, for the Valley and for um, the William Reed Stakes is that it's it's now it's a, it's a race that's got a real attraction. It's got the Inform Sprinter in Jigsaw. It's got one or two others that'll bowl out of some of the sprints we've already had. And Imperatriz, um it's probably right here and now the highest currently rating sprinter in Australasia. So it's a big get for the Valley. Good to see her coming to the Valley. Um, great to see yesterday the graduation of the apprentices and also the induction of the next round of apprentices at Racing Victoria. And, and tomorrow on the program, it'll be great that we're going to be joined live in the studio by Carleen Heffel, who has graduated, and Caitlin Hollowood, who is one of the new young apprentices as well. And uh, it's apt to get both of those ladies in on International Women's Day as well. So I'm looking forward to chatting both to them tomorrow, Matt. Yeah, and I think we may be looking at doing a little something a bit later on in the morning as well. There might be a bit of a, a bit of Kate Gath action or something like that. So... Yes, no, that'll be. Um, there's nothing better than a, a new crew of wide-eyed, hopeful kids coming through the apprentices' school. So, um, yeah, now looking forward to listening to those things tomorrow. Matty, uh, great roundup for uh, news as always. We'll see you out here at the sales complex Lovely. very shortly. Absolutely.